Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. You know, I think that I know something about life right now, okay? And I know this about life, that before a mess, life is great. After a mess, might not be great, but at least you know how the mess has worked out. You've learned some things, you've understood some things. But the most difficult part of life is not before or after, it's in the middle. And the middle of the mess is where most of our confusion comes, it's where most of our angst comes, and it's where most of our pain comes as human beings. And and whether you are a Jesus follower or not, I'm talking to people where whatever your faith dynamic is, when you're in the middle of something which is a mess, whether it's your mess that you created, you knew it, it was your fault, whether it's somebody else's mess and they've dragged you into it, so now it's your mess, or whether it's just a mess of life, you know as a human being that the most difficult season of a mess is when you're in the middle of the mess. Because you don't know how it's gonna work out. You don't know what the end story is. You don't have that gift of hindsight because you're right in the middle. And the question that we're gonna look at today is how do we find peace in the middle of a mess? And a couple of weeks ago, we also looked at the fact that we can make our mess messier by the decisions that we make. And what I wanna do today is I wanna look at it in the macro and the micro, okay, and I'll explain what that means in a minute. And I'm gonna open up, how do we find peace in the middle? And then, and then I am gonna invite every one of us to experience the peace of God in the middle of our mess. But I wanna look at it from a macro perspective. And when I say macro, I'm not talking about the cash and carry place that's down the road, all right? I'm talking about the big picture. You see, the reality is that we are living in a time of unprecedented, almost, and I know we've used that word a lot in the last few years, history. Historians, sociologists, futurists believe that the season that we're living in now, I don't mean 2023, I mean this last maybe 15, 20 years, is history will look back and will say, this was the moment when there was a massive shift in our world. We're moving from one era to another era, okay? Pope Francis put it this way, we are not living in an era of change, and there's a lot of change, but a change of era. And I've been reading a lot around this at the moment, and I'm fascinated by all this. And it's almost like we're coming out of one era into another era. And, and, and let me just give you a little bit of an example. The, the Roman Empire fell and the Dark Ages began. The Roman Empire did not fall on a Wednesday and the Dark Ages begin on a Thursday. The agricultural era didn't end on a Monday and the industrial era began on a Tuesday. There was a period in between where you were in between two eras. Historians believe, futurists believe, sociologists believe that we are living in one of those massive shifts of era. So at a macro level, there is an anxiety that we'll talk about because it looks like this. It looks like the passing era, the coming era, but we're living in what's often been referred to as the grey zone. We're living in between. We're living between the kind of modern view and this globalised, interconnected, networked view of the world. All right, I know I'm using a lot of big words there, but I want to stretch you a little bit today as well. And we're living in the grey zone. And the grey zone is characterised by a few things. It's characterised by a lot of conflict. 
Not, not just the kind of conflict we see in Ukraine. Of course, we're praying about that. We're coming up to a year of that invasion into Ukraine. Not just that, but there's so much conflict in our world, isn't there? Look on social media. Some people that I really deeply, deeply respect right now are being mullered and trolled and, and abused online globally. And, and, and it's a horrible world in which we live in in so many ways. There's conflict, there's contradictions, there's so much change because we are passing from one era to the next and we are living in the grey zone. And I saw this really interesting, I heard this really interesting definition of the old era we're passing away. And, and this guy, he equated it to the nice era. And why nice? He meant no inflation, constant expansion. So it's like, that's the world some of us have been living in and feel entitled to live in. And all of a sudden we're realising we are no longer in a world of no inflation, constant expansion. And it may be in the next few decades, we don't enter into that world again. We are going to have to, if you're a follower of Jesus as well, embrace that and understand that that's okay. If that's the era we're passing into, then what does God want to say about that? But in this grey zone where we're passing from one era to another, the, the most dominant word I think that characterises our context in the macro as well as the micro is this word, anxiety. And of course, we think about anxiety as personal anxiety, and we're looking at that today. But there's also a corporate or a societal anxiety. We are living in a pandemic of anxiety. And you can see it in leadership. In a grey zone, leadership generally doesn't know how to be because we're passing from one era into another. And so there's like a corporate anxiety. We don't know how to make decisions. We don't know how to live right. We're living in this sense of corporate anxiety. But what about at the micro level? What about the micro level? Because some of that went, woo, way over some of you. You thought, I don't even know what he's talking about. But at the micro level, you understand, and I understand that even as followers of Jesus, and many of us are, we are gripped often by like a soundtrack of anxiety, which is underneath in our life. Is that right? And so I, you know, the other day when Alison and I on Saturday were out for breakfast in a coffee shop, um, in Hagley, actually. Uh, you'll know which one it was then if I said that. Well, there were a few nice ones in Hagley. Um, and we commented that there were so many people and there was such a lot of bustle around and we commented how different it was when we came out of COVID. And has anything changed? And it feels like nothing's changed. And yet underneath, I think everything's changed. There's a soundtrack of underneath anxiety permeating our culture and our lives. And many of you here as followers of Jesus, you know every single day you're battling with anxiety. And then of course, well-meaning people say really unhelpful things when you're battling with anxiety, don't they? Don't worry, it might never happen. Which actually, statistically, is probably true. Lots of what we worry about never happens, but it's not helpful, because it might. Or the other thing that people say is, don't worry, just get a grip on your thoughts. And there's some truth in that. It's good psychology, but it's terrible Christianity. Because God doesn't say that's the only antidote to anxiety and worry. Just get a grip on your thoughts. Just think differently and you'll be fine. Or, or, or the other thing is, don't worry. Worry is such a waste of energy. Again, really true, but really unhelpful, isn't it? And then this is the one, don't worry, because you're a Christian. You shouldn't worry. It's weakness or it's a sin. Wow, I don't even know where to start with that one. Other than that, it's not only unhelpful, but it's also untrue. So 
What does God say about anxiety and worry? And especially, what does he say when you're in the middle of a mess? Maybe your mess is financial. Maybe your mess is health. And can I just say, I had a great story just before we started about two two weeks ago when we prayed for people, we prayed for people who were sick. Actually, last week we did, but two weeks ago we did as well. And somebody online, online stood up, put their hand on the place in their body where they were sick and they haven't had any pain in the last two weeks since. Isn't that amazing? So God does heal and God does deliver and God does set free and God does provide and God does all of this stuff. But when we're in the middle of a mess, what does God want to bring in order to deal with the anxiety that you and I face? Last week, we looked um, at a couple of verses from the book of Philippians and we're going to go there again. And it's Philippians chapter four and Paul writes this, don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And let me just pause for a minute. That sounds like a Bob Marley song, right? And that somehow Paul is sat uh, in, uh, in Montego Bay in Jamaica or, or on a white sand of Mauritius or the Maldives. He's got a pina colada or whatever it is that he's drinking, alcohol free. Uh, and he's, just, he's got reggae in the background. He said, hey, don't worry about a thing. Everything's gonna. Come on, Paula's got it on the front row here. I don't know how you were doing in locations there, but we got a reggae singer here on the front row in House Owen. Don't worry about anything instead. So he's not saying that, that you, he's not kind of saying don't worry. He's, he's saying, hey, don't worry about anything instead. So he's acknowledging that you are worrying. He's acknowledging that there's anxiety. But then he says, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. Listen, when he wrote that, he's not in Montego Bay. He's not in Mauritius. He's in a Roman prison cell. He is in the middle of a mess. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. And Paul says, when you're in the middle, I'm in the middle right now, but when you're in the middle, instead of worrying, and you are worrying and you are anxious, and I get that, do something with it. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Now, the word worry is better translated the word anxiety. So some translation says, do not be anxious about anything. But anxiety and worry literally means to be torn apart. It's also from an old English word, which means strangled and choked the life out of. It's almost like when worry or anxiety comes, it tears us apart and it chokes the life out of us. Let me say a few things about anxiety. Anxiety is a relative word. In a few weeks' time, I'm going to be heading off to Uganda with Compassion and with Spring Harvest, doing some filming out there. I know that I will meet some people who are anxious about things that you and I aren't anxious about, and and they'll be looking at us and thinking, why are you so anxious about that? Because anxiety is relative, right? But anxiety is also not the same as depression. When anxiety grips us and it takes us to a point of depression, that's a whole different subject and I'm not even going to go there. But anxiety is also not a choice or a weakness or a sin. And when anxiety grips us, it has a lot of effects on us. It has a physical effect. Worrying is not a disease, but it can cause physical issues. There's an emotional uh, context to worrying and anxiety. It can affect our decisions and our actions and our reactions There's also a relational dynamic. When we are gripped by anxiety or worry, it can affect how we relate to other people. There's also a spiritual dynamic where we we somehow can't experience the presence of God because we're so gripped by anxiety or by worry. 
So Paul says, well, just pray about everything. If you just pray about everything and talk to God and tell God what's going on, then you won't have any worry, right? Then you won't have any anxiety anymore. Then all your circumstances will change. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say any of that. What he says is that when you take action over anxiety and worry, then here is the promise in verse seven. In verse seven, then, then you will experience God's peace. In other words, not just you'll hear about it, or you'll know it cognitively or cerebrally, but you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Paul's not writing from Montego Bay, sipping a pina colada, listening to Bob Marley. Paul is writing from a prison cell. He knows what he's talking about. He says, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we, we can understand. I shouldn't feel like this, he says, right now, but I am because I'm experiencing the peace of God. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That word peace is a Greek word called irene, and it means completeness. It means wholeness. It means a kind of a, um, a, a congruity, a, a, a health and a well-being. It's, it's the equivalent, the Greek equivalent of, an, of a Hebrew word that you and I know, this word, shalom. And this word is used over 90 times in the New Testament. And wherever you see this word in Hebrew or that word in Greek, it isn't just talking about the absence of war. It's talking about the presence of something or someone who holds you together even in the midst of a mess. Isn't that amazing? You will experience God's peace. And Paul says, and it will be a peace that will guard your heart and your mind. And the word he uses for guard is, is, is a word used for a sentry, a soldier on duty. So, so you know when you go to Buckingham Palace and you see those soldiers and they're on duty with the big hats and, and, and tourists, you know, try and make them laugh and all that. But the sentry is immovable. The sentry is unflinching. The sentry is guarding the space. And Paul says, when you do certain things, okay, and we'll come on to that in a minute, you will experience God's peace even in the midst of a mess, which will be like a guard, a sentry that will be unflinching, immovable, guarding your heart and your mind. How many of us want that in the grey zone? How many of us want that right now? <laughs> we absolutely do. So how do we find peace in the middle of a mess? There are strategies. I, I love the old story of a, that I read years ago about a business guy called Arthur Rank. And he, his strategy on worry um, was this. He said, I'm only going to worry on a Wednesday. So if anything ever came up on any other day, he wrote it down, put it in a box, and the box was called Wednesday. And on a Wednesday, he opened the box. And then he read all the... I said, that's the strategy. But... But how we will experience God's peace is not a how, it's a who. It's a who. It's not a strategy, that's psychology. It is a who. And I want to open that up. You see, the, the, the big idea we've been looking at in this series, which we're ending today, is this. The mess that brings us together is the mess that brought God near. God did not send a strategy for our mess God did not send a technique for our anxiety. God did not send some practical tips for our worry. God sent a who, and his name is Jesus. 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 
And so in John chapter 14, Jesus is with his disciples and he's trying to prepare them for the fact that he's no longer going to be with them. And he begins John chapter 14, one of my favourite chapters, by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Okay, so don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be anxious, don't worry. And then he begins to talk to them about the fact that he's going to go away, but it's okay because he's going to send his Holy Spirit who will be with them. And through that connection, they're going to experience his presence. And when you experience his presence in the middle of your mess, you find the peace of God, which passes understanding. And they don't quite get it, but then he says in, 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 in uh, John 14, verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift. And this is what we're talking about today. A gift, peace of mind and heart. Who needs that? Peace of mind and heart. I don't know what's happening to my body, but it's well with my soul. I don't know what's going on with my family or how that's going to turn out, but it is well with my soul. I don't understand how it's going to go on with my parents, but it's well with my soul. I don't get how it's going to work out in my job situation. Some of you are in the grey zone in a job situation right now, but it's well with my soul. Jesus says, I'm giving you a gift, the peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And then, and then it goes on that then Jesus gets arrested later on and beaten and crucified and dies, but then rises again. And so I think these guys are saying this, and I love this. Uh, next question. If the guy who predicts his own death and resurrection pulls it off, my money's on him. So in other words, if this guy said, I'm going to give you a gift, the peace that will guard your heart and your mind, and he predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off, I'm going with him. I mean, all this other stuff is great, but I'm going with him. So what, what, what does all this mean? Let, let me give you three things and then I want to invite you to experience the peace of God. Number one, I think this gift gives us a peace for perspective. To get some perspective in the middle of our mess. I was listening to a song on the radio the other day. It's a Christian song. And it says, if the world can't give it, the world can't take it away. If the world can't give it or didn't give it, the world can't take it away. So if the world gave it, the world can take it away. But if the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. So whatever the world hasn't given you, but God has, can't take that away. I remember years ago, um, and I was a young leader, and a, and a friend of mine who's maybe 10 years or so older than me, so a little bit of a mentor to me, lived in Northern Ireland. Uh, um, he still does, actually. And it's not Paul Reed, okay? It's somebody else. But his wife went into hospital to give birth to their second baby. And uh, during the, the procedure, the pethidine was put too high in the spine and the baby was born, but she died on the table, on the operating, on the table in the hospital. And I remember getting on a plane and flying straight over and just not knowing what to say to my friend. I was in the middle of this. He was in the middle of this. And he said to me this. He said, at the moment, he said, it's like my face is up against an oil painting. And it's pressed close to an oil painting and I can't see any colours and I can't see any shape and I can't see anything. He says, and he said this, I know that in time I'll, I'll go back and I'll go back and eventually I'll see some shape and some colour and some design. I don't know when that will be. Maybe I'll never fully see what that picture's about until I get to heaven. But right now I'm holding on to the fact that God has me and that's perspective. Maybe you need that today. But the second thing is the gift of God gives peace for pain as well. And the pain that you're in, we, when we experience God's presence, it doesn't change the pain, but it gives it a sense of, okay, there's something else at work. And I, I love this quote. Um, 
your pain will not be purposeless and it will not be permanent. We need to know that. The pain you are going through will not be purposeless. In other words, God will do something out of that pain. Hasn't caused it, but He'll do something out of it. And it won't be permanent. It won't last forever. It really won't. But you know, and actually the Apostle Peter, he talks about this in his writing as well. In 1 Peter 5, he says this, And then, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who's called you to share in His eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, He will set you firmly in place and build you up. Your pain is not purposeless and your pain will not be permanent. And then the third thing is the peace of God is a peace for patience. And so when we experience God's peace in the middle, it helps us to hold on, to hang on and to hope on because our story is not over yet. And so, you and I in the middle of the mess, and I'm in the middle of a mess as well, we're all up. We're asking things like, how will we cope? How will we manage? How will they work it out? What will I do if this happens? And all of that is anxiety and worry that chokes the life out of us. And Paul says from a prison cell, you've got to do something with that worry and anxiety. And when you do something with it, you will experience the peace of God. You see, I think this is true. Taking the right action is anxiety's worst enemy. Now, just taking any action is not the issue. Taking the right action is anxiety's worst enemy. And Paul says what, what the right action is talk to God. The right action is pray. The right action is be thankful. The right action is, is, is do something with that anxiety and worry that relocates it into the hands of God. And I was, I was saying to God, God, give me, give me a word or give me a phrase or give me something that will help people understand this. And then like that, I felt God say this, throw the ball and chase the presence. Throw the ball and chase the present. I want to try and give you handles you can hold on to. Throw the ball is like this. Imagine you've got this ball in your hand and that ball represents the anxiety or the worry that is choking the life out of you. If you hold on to it, it will carry on doing that. But if you throw it, if you release it into the hands of God, that's what Paul's saying. He's not saying that it's wrong to have it. He's saying, you've got it. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the anxiety and the worry and the stress? Well, well pray. Well, well, then talk to me. Well, then be thankful. What you're doing is you're throwing the ball. You are relocating it into the hands of the one who says, cast all your cares onto me because I care for you. And then chase the presence. You see, Jesus has promised the gift of peace. Don't chase the promise, chase the presence. When you chase the presence of God, you will come into contact with the promise of God. The other side of that is the promise. When you pursue Him, you see, this is what people do. When they're full of anxiety and worry, they stop connecting. They stop going to their small group, their connect group. They stop coming to church in a gathered space. They stop connecting with other Christians. That's what they do in their anxiety and their worry. That's the wrong thing to do. What we should do is to release the the anxiety, we throw the ball and then we chase the presence. And then when we do that, we come into contact with the promise of God. Jesus is a promise keeper, amen. And His promise is the peace of God, which passes all understanding. But here's the thing, you cannot experience the peace of God 
if you don't have peace with God. And I want to give you an opportunity here in the room and in our locations and online. If you've never, okay, you know whether you have or not. If you've never given your life to God, you've never asked Jesus. The Bible talks about it. It's like inviting Jesus into your life. You've never kind of surrendered your life to Him. You've never asked Him to be the Lord and the leader of your life. In other words, you haven't made peace with God. You might think, well, I, I wasn't His enemy. But the Bible says you were. You, you might not be an, an unwitting enemy, but until we are restored, we're at odds with God. And we'll never receive the peace of God until we've known the peace with God. And it's so simple. All you need to do is ask Him. So I want to invite us to close our eyes for a minute and I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to invite you that if you've never done this, and it may be that all of you have and that's great, or you're not ready and that's great, but is this could be your moment. Peace with God. Then you can experience the peace of God. So just close our eyes for a moment. And if this is you, then I want you to pray this prayer in your mind. You don't have to pray it out loud. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to acknowledge that that's what you've done. So it goes like this. God, I thank You that You love me so much. You sent Jesus to live and to die for me. Thank You. I receive that today. I turn away from my way of living and I follow Him. Amen. While our eyes are closed, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, you're in one of our locations or you're online, I want you to acknowledge it. The easiest way is just to put up your hand, just to put your hand up to say, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. We'll wait. We'll pause. Our hosting team are standing now and are going to come and just put something into your hands. If you can do that in our locations, in our sites. If that's you as well and you want peace with God, I'm going to pause for just a few more seconds. You just put your hand up and someone will come and put something into your hand. Jesus' Name. God, we thank You. Hostess here, please. Thank You. Amazing. Now can I invite you all to stand? Invite you all to stand. And I know that many, many, many of us, if you're able and willing, just stand with me for a moment. Because I want to pray for those of us that need to receive the peace of God as well. And this is your moment to take that ball, okay, of anxiety and worry and to figuratively let it go, all right? And I want to pray for you today. So if you know that right now you're in the middle of a mess and you really need to experience the peace of God, I want you to sit down. Because in sitting down, you're saying, right, I'm going to let this go now and I'm going to sit. So let's pray. And maybe if you're stood up near someone who sat down, just put a hand on their shoulder and we'll pray. Jesus, we invite you by your Spirit, come bring the peace of God which passes all understanding, which guards our hearts and minds in Jesus, which posts a sentry on duty on our heart and on our mind, who is unflinching, who is unmoving, who is unrattled and unruffled, and who will stay there 
for as long as it takes. So Lord, while this mess is going on, may they know it is well with their soul. While they're in between scans, waiting on the results, may they know it is well with their soul. While they're in between tearing their hair out because the kids are doing their head in or because the money's not there or because the job's a nightmare, may they know it can still be well with their soul. May they experience your peace, the peace of Jesus, the peace that is Jesus, the gift that is Jesus. And so Lord, we throw the ball and we chase the presence. We chase You. We long for You. We pursue You. Because when we pursue You, then we encounter the promise of the peace of God, which passes all understanding. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. We're going to sing. We're going to sing about this incredible Name of Jesus. Jesus doesn't bring us the peace of God. Jesus is the peace of God. And you know, when that song that you've just saw, when that goes out on social media, I want to challenge every single one of you to do something. Number one, if you don't subscribe to our YouTube channel or like our page, do it, okay? Because then you'll get all this content when it comes through. But number two, share it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we shared that song out across our communities right now, all the people that you're connected to on social media, because we need the message of this, don't we? Peace is a promise you keep. Peace is a promise you keep. You can't find peace. You see, if the world can give it, then the world can take it away. But the world couldn't give Jesus and the world can't take Him away. So if you want a peace that passes all understanding, it only comes from God. Wouldn't that be amazing if your workspace and your world, we just shared that song and got that message out. Let's sing about the incredible power, beauty, majesty, wonder of the Name of Jesus.